0: to tell me your story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. Thank you so much for being with us today as we uh, embark on, um, well, it's something that I have been dealing with for 22 years, ladies and gentlemen. You've heard me talk about it over the last 15 years, uh, and that is uh, a small little book that I've been working on. Uh, It is uh, something that uh, seems kind of odd to me that It's taking this long, but then again, life tends to get in the way. Well, today we're going to find out how to uh, create your first novel. This is the title of the book by our guest, Hank Quince, and he's joining us. He's uh, not only uh, uh, an award-winning author, he's rather prolific with over 30 books uh, under his belt, as it were. And uh, Hank, it's great to have you with us to help... uh, demystify this this unbelievable process uh that is now more in the hands of the individual who is actually writing Mm -hmm. than it once was when you'd write it and then you'd turn the manuscript over to a publishing company
1: that's right yeah thank you for having me richard yeah it's in the last i'd say 15 years it's the
0: publishing industry has changed quite a lot It has indeed. And uh, maybe even to the consternation of the publishing industry, because I have a feeling that a lot of these different um, institutionalized industries uh, that are private businesses and so forth Mm -hmm. uh, over the decades, you know, some of them actually have been sort of drummed out of business because we can now do a lot of the stuff that uh, they did and sometimes even better. Uh, without the constraints That's of uh, I don't know, CEOs and supervisors and all that kind of stuff. And that is not to say that they haven't played their role. They haven't had an important uh, aspect there. Yeah. I often uh, question um, uh, just, just, I, it's like a curiosity of mine. And that is uh, who decided that that was going to be the cover to that book or that was going to be the logo for that company or who approved that advertisement for that particular product or service. They must've been on drugs or something because that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen or heard or read. Uh, you know, Whereas now you get to decide I get to decide, but there are some parameters that we have to consider. And that's kind of why we're here talking with you, especially about your latest book, uh, uh, Create Your First Novel. It is a comprehensive guide uh, that basically is spanning the entire long-term process from planning through marketing and starting your author business. Now, I think the first step for me is Okay, look. I just want to write, Hank. I don't. I. I. I don't want to know about all of this other stuff. Yeah. But I'm guessing you can't do that these days. You've got well, to dive into all of these different elements.
1: Well, what you're saying is the way most writers thought. They, I going to write a book, and they write the book, and that's all they worry about. That's all they do. But uh, and this was me when I first started about 20 years ago. Um, I wrote a book, you know, I didn't think about anything else. But what my book tells people is that starting to write a book is a commitment to a long-term multi-phase project. There's actually five different phases involved in it. You know, you got to plan the book, you got to write the book, you got to publish the book, you got to market the book, and ta-da, you got a business. And all of this stuff has to be considered. Now, the the purpose of the book is to tell these authors that this is what's going to happen. It's not a surprise. I published my first book. This was all a surprise. You know, I got it published and I I got to market this. What are you kidding me? Now I get 1099 forms, you know, about taxes. And uh, that's when I realized I have a business. That was quite a while ago. And I've run into, uh, in right groups that I belong to, I've seen authors, create a novel or a memoir and they struggle with all of this stuff so i decided to write a book and lay it all out and that's what i did
0: absolutely and it just it's to me quite extraordinary the process that one must go through i mean i've i've been in the broadcast industry for over 44 years and when I first got into it, I was told "I you need to learn as much as you can about every department that you can. Uh, and then somewhere down the road, five or 10 years down the road, you can specialize. If you want, you want to go into sports or you sure. want to go into advertising or you want to do voice work or you want to be a DJ and so on and so on and so forth, all of the different or an engineer for that matter. Uh, but the problem uh, that I see with my industry as opposed to with a uh, book writing, is that there were th- there are certain rules in publishing. In, in writing a book and then getting it published and going through, again, all of these different steps, which we will go through uh, to help people uh, uh, work through this. And by the way, uh, creating your first novel uh, is, is sort of a, a workbook, isn't it? It's, it's something for people that uh, to, to process through, maybe even as they are writing their story, their novel, fiction, yeah. nonfiction, science fiction, and so forth.
1: Yeah, it is because, uh, you know, it says first novel. So there is a fiction workshop in there with a whole bunch of lessons. And just in case they, people really aren't familiar with how to go about creating fiction and writing fiction. So I threw that in there, and I go through all the steps. You know, I tell people about publishing, you know, go through a lot of information on publishing and marketing. Well, that's, you know, that's just a swamp. No one understands that. <laughs> <laughs> I do the best to help you know, what I can. Yeah. The, that's a that's a surprise by itself. I often I often say that pop marketing, book marketing is like going across the vast swamp in a leaky canoe without an oar, and without a map, and all these alligators are starting to gather around. And the alligators are the scam artists. And uh, my book is trying to say this is how you get a, a map and an oar and get through this morass.
0: Exactly um let's uh let's start uh from step one now certainly as i said earlier i've been working on the same book and it's not it's it's nonfiction. it's more along the lines of self-help uh-huh. it's not a big book uh and i've been working on it for 21 years 22 years actually 22 years uh only because of you know life gets in the way and this and that and the other thing and Uh, You know, and I've got a fair amount of it all squared away, but I'm still reading through it uh, when I get a chance to uh, to try to proof it. Now, obviously, I need somebody else to actually proofread it because uh, I'm the one that wrote it. And it's one of those things. Can't see the forest for the trees.
1: Yeah,
0: sure. Um, When uh, matter of fact, I about 10 years ago, I actually did send a copy to my sister uh, PDF to proof it because she's an excellent proofreader. Uh-huh. And there, and, and this kind of goes to the actual writing of the book itself. Um, and that is that, uh, when she sent it back to me, I had this one section where there was a, a list of things. And I learned that you put a comma after each of the items in the list until the last one. And then you put an and between the second to last and last item. Yes. But she removed all the commas and put in and and i almost called her to say what the heck do you think you're doing (laughs) then i did some research and found out that both ways are acceptable one of them is a little more redundant with all of those ands but both ways are acceptable so is that something that the writer needs to be concerned about initially or should they just say, you know, forget about all of the, the, the grammar rules and all of the kind of stuff? We'll fix that later. Get the story down.
1: That is true. That is, you have to get the story down for the first draft, first draft. Then you start in with the editing and, the you know, rewriting and polishing it and putting in the grammar rules and following the grammar rules. The the less you follow the grammar rules, the more you're going to pay up, pay up for editing. You know, someone's going to do it. Yeah. You do it, or the editor do it. does it, and editors charge. They'll charge based on a writing sample. And if your writing sample it doesn't have to follow any of the grammar rules, you're going to get a nice, awful big bill. Yeah, the grammar rules you follow, the easier it will be for the editor and the less you'll charge.
0: You know, one of the one of the uh, uh, issues that I have had, and this is primarily with uh, TV and movies, uh, is um, w- one of the rules when it comes to people's names, and specifically, uh, and I worked for a Christian radio station for fifteen years back in the eighties and nineties during the heydays of televangelism. Uh-huh. And it drove me crazy when they would say Jesus's. They would put another S on the end. It's like no, that is grammatically incorrect. Right. And 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 yet people continue to do that. If somebody's name ends in an S, they add another one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I hear this uh, in uh, some of the shorts videos that I watch on YouTube, for example, and I'm going, what is wrong with you people? Did you not go to school? And of course, a lot of people say, well, you know, the education system in America is, you know, crap. And uh, you know, we didn't learn that stuff. And I'm thinking, wow, you mean to tell me my generation was the last one that that got this info? Come on. Uh, Yeah. Talk to us about, uh, really, from your perspective, from creating your first novel, the first step in this process, once you have decided you're going to write the book, which I guess actually might be the first step. But once you've decided, I have this idea for a story, and uh, it kind of goes like this, once upon a time, blah, 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 the end. You yeah. want to, what, plan it out? How do, how do you go about the process of planning out if you haven't really, and, and, and again, talk to us about this this process when you just came up with the idea, oh, what a neat thing. I, I think I'll you know write this story. Well, it's a little
1: more complicated than that. Uh, writing a book, any book, but especially with fiction, it depends upon, you need ideas. This is actually, you're actually creating something. The way an artist creates a a painting, you're creating a book, same way you need ideas. Ideas are what builds the book, you know. For a novel, you need hundreds of ideas. You need ideas about characters, you know, how the characters develop, you know, how they live. You need characters, you need ideas about the plot events. You need ideas about scenes, you know, and setting, and all this stuff, you know, you need all these ideas. And this is part of the planning. You just write down all these ideas for a while, and then you start to build the book by what I call story design. You start to develop the characters. You develop a plot. This is The story design is where you take all these ideas and embed them into the story elements, such as the characters and development, you know, and the plots and scenes and all that. Mm -hmm. And when you answer that, then you can start writing the first draft. That's the way I do it anyway. Uh, I, I know people just start writing and they usually suddenly come to an end. They say, you know, they write three scenes and said, what happened? That's a great idea I had. The uh, problem is that they don't know where the ending is. And if you don't know where the ending is, you really can't write the story. because mm. you just take the reader on a journey from the beginning to the end. If you don't know where the end is, you can't write the journey. One of the initial steps, a very important step, is to get the ending before you start writing.
0: Mm. End of the lecture. Yeah. The butler did it. Yeah. <laughs> That's my ending. The butler did it. Um there I, I have read now in my case, um uh, I've read many self-help books that were actually written as novels. They wanted to tell they wanted to tell a narrative, a story that incorporated these kinds of elements. Um, and the one, one in particular that I think of is of course, uh, James Redfield and his Celestine prophecy where it was a novel, but it was a novel that incorporated uh, these different insights uh-huh. and so forth. Um is is that something that is essential in term? Not so much in terms of uh, self help, in terms of uh, writing a novel per se, but in terms of um, is it really necessary in a novel that we have any kind of uh, oh what do I want to what what word do I want to use um, uh, uh, metaphors? And um, I'm thinking for some reason I'm thinking of Aesop's fables and i can't remember what they're how they're referred to uh uh the moral morals moral of this story is that something that can or does uh, how important is something like that uh in, in in to be incorporated
1: that's something the author has to figure out for himself I, right. I, I don't put morals into my book but equally important is that the main character has a character arc you know, the mm-hmm. course of the story. He starts from one spice, Maybe he's a bigot, and he ends up in the story. He's not so bigoted. You know, that's that's what he learned to, over the course of the story, and that is very essential. And that could be a moral, also. You know, that could be uh, some moralizing can occur during this character arc. But mm. whether it's a moral or it's not a moral, is the important thing. Is there has to be a character arc, and that's up to the author on how he wants to develop that character arc.
0: Do you think that? Uh the majority of people have these kinds of stories uh, that uh, they need to get out um, and uh, they just don't know how or are, is there, is there fear based? uh, Is there, is there fear that is keeping them from doing this because not just because they don't know how, or they don't know how to start, but um, maybe there's a certain level of, uh, um, Dealing with the whole issue of approval. You know, there are critics out there that are going to tear you apart, and then there are critics that are going to, you know, they're going to praise the work that you do. Yeah. Um,
1: I think fear is a big issue with the people when they start a novel or they're thinking about writing a book. Fear, there's, there's two kinds of fear that are really involved. One is the fear of rejection. You know, that they, if they're right to spend a year writing this thing and they show it to people and people are like, yeah, you know, they don't like it. They reject it. Yeah. That's, well, rejection is part of the writing process. I know, I know a woman who's successfully published. She is in a club with several other women. And once a month, they get together and compare notes on how many rejections they got that month. (laughs) The one who has the most rejections gets a free, gets a bottle of wine from the losers. Oh, my heavens. It's something that if you're writing, you're getting rejected. You know, So you got to learn to live with that fear. Yeah. The other fear is that sooner or later, you're going to realize that what well, someone will tell you, this is a very original. You know, this has been done dozens of times.
0: That mm-hmm.
1: is true. Well, no, it hasn't been done dozens of times. It's been done hundreds of times, maybe thousands of times. But your version has never been seen. You have a special way of writing about this theme whatever it is and so yours is different than the other thousands of copies of, the, of copies of the story yours mm-hmm. is different. keep writing it ignore the people who say it's not original because it is original
0: hank quince is my guest creating your first novel is our conversation piece if you will and you are listening to tell me your story I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, uh, this, is, this is educational and insightful for me especially. One of the things that I loved when I was in high school, I took Southwest Literature class. One of my favorite teachers was uh, a gentleman by the name of Mr. Miller. I don't think I ever learned his first name, uh, but we were, uh, cre- we were doing some creative writing, and I wrote this uh, short story that he said I should elaborate on, Uh, The title was conflagration at sea. It had to do with writers, authors, and it had to do with this elderly author who competed in this same annual competition. And there was a young kid of maybe 19 or 20 who for the first time was competing. And this older guy, the, the elderly gentleman, lost again for maybe the 15th or 16th time. And he was livid. Well, they were going to hold a, uh, a party for the winner, the young kid, on a yacht out out, out on the ocean. Mm-hmm. And so they're out there on the ocean. It's, uh, it's evening, if you will. The elderly gentleman gets this rubber raft. He's got explosives that he wraps around the yacht. And then he gets back into the raft and rows away. And then he sets it off. Unfortunately, he was still too close. And the shards from the explosion punctured the raft. And with all of the dead bodies, the sharks came and he died. Now, here's the irony. The story that he submitted that he lost on the 15th try was that story.
1: Ah, he lived his own story.
0: He lived his <laughs> own story. One of the other ways that I would write short stories, because I was also taking photography class, uh, this was in college, and I would put on a mat board a picture that I had taken, uh, whether I it was something I created under the the uh, uh, the enlarger when I'm processing and so forth. And I would look at it going, there's a story there. And then I would turn it over, put a piece of lined paper on it, and I would write a short little story about that picture. Yeah. What is your muse? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> is there one, is there anything that you look to or um something that inspires you to pursue another novel another story that you want to share with the world
1: uh, i just if i want to write a story i just stop thinking you know just lay back and let my mind swirl you know and eventually it'll come up with a character you know i get a character and i write sci-fi and fantasy so the character most often is a little weird Mm-hmm. You know, like a dwarf or an alien or something. And I got someone I think to look like a good character, and I give him a plot problem, a big problem, and that's it. I'm mm-hmm. off. And I, got you're... A, I got a problem? Go solve the problem. And that's how I do it. You know, that's, that's, the, that's the genesis of the story.
0: Now, there are two books that I can think of that have incredible detail. Uh, socially religiously politically etc one of them is Frank Herbert's dune mm-hmm. i i I've read it uh, in addition to seeing some of the some of the different movies made and I was so intrigued by the detail and the depth into all of the different aspects yeah uh I know this that it's subject to the author's whims as to how deep they go yeah. Do you find that the more detail you can put in, in that regard, uh, th- do you think that that holds the reader, or does it maybe bog some down? I guess, and again, I know every reader is different, as is every author. What are it's your a, thoughts in that regard?
1: Well, uh, my books aren't that deep. I don't go into that much detail. It's the way you handle it that's important. If you have like what's called in writing it, an info dump, you know where you Stop the story, and you have five pages of details, and all that wide-mouth is so high on how it came to be about that thing. You know, you lose the reader. Mm-hmm. You know, they just start skipping past the pages, or they'll go out and mow the lawn. <laughs> but, you know, you, you got to be careful with the info dumps. You know, there's a certain amount of information that the reader has to have in order to understand the story, mm-hmm. and then there's a lot of information that the author develops, and he thinks the reader needs, but doesn't. You know, it's it's his world. He built his world. I want to tell you about my world. And the reader says, please, don't. Don't tell me about your world. Just tell me enough so that I can understand the story. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a very critical item about this. You know, if you do carry it away with your world building, you can sink the book.
0: Yeah. I know too. The other book that I was thinking of was *Stranger in a Strange Land*, which took me years to read because I had to wait for it to come out in audible. And I loved reading it over and over again, uh, the different sections. I didn't like the way it ended myself, uh, but it, that's the way the author chose to end it. I, I get it. Sure. Um, but it was it was fascinating. Um, what is your perspective? Uh, With the the boon in uh, uh, recorded books. Now, I'll let you know also that as a kid growing up, I was legally blind and I was listening to audible books, but they weren't called that. They were called recordings for the blind and talking books for the blind. Yeah. And that's where I read, uh, I finally was allowed to read The Godfather when I was 16. They would not let me read it before then. (laughs) Uh, And um, of course, my metaphysical primer, Autobiography of a Yogi. But what's what's your thought in that regard? If someone is writing a book, should they even be thinking about that or just stay focused on their story?
1: Worry about the story, not about how it's going to get published. You know, later on, Oh, you got you to gotta get it published first, really, before you get to yeah. the audiobooks. You know, that's the next step. Mm-hmm. And, you, know, you know, you get ebooks, you got paperbacks, you got hardcovers and audiobooks. You know, it's just another yeah. edition of the book these days. Way back when, it probably was a big deal, you know, but it's not a big deal anymore. It's just a part of the publication process.
0: Yeah.
1: In many cases, it's automatic.
0: Yeah. A sidebar here. Uh, are any of your books audible? One is
1: uh, Falstaff's Big Gamble is a, an audio book. It's I Chris, I, I made an, a, a, an audio book out of it with a highlight and a you know a voice editor, a voice actor to do this thing. He was quite successful. But I did it because I heard this is the next big thing. You know, audio books are going to explode. So I made an audio book. I think mm-hmm. I sold seven copies in about five years. So you know, you can't prove that it's a big deal to me. I didn't do it again because it is. If you're self-publishing, it is very expensive to do. You got to pay for the voice acting. You know, they got to eat too.
0: Yeah, exactly. Do you think that uh, the printed book, the 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 one that you hold in your hand, is on its way out, or will it be with us, kind of like uh, vinyl records that are coming back again?
1: (laughs) No, I don't think it's going anywhere. I think there'll always be printed books or you know digital books anyway. I think there will be digital and audio books eventually, you know, I don't see uh, digital books or print books going away. Mm -hmm. I I don't read. I don't don't use audio books. I, uh, I read, I love to read. I read all of them. If I wasn't here, I'd be reading. (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay well well we won't keep you too long you probably want to get back to whatever it is that you're you're involved in hank quince is my guest and it is creating your first novel i want to give you folks a website to go to and uh uh it is uh writers what's the arc stand for Um, uh,
1: it's writers and authors resource center
0: ah okay iders uh, blah, blah, blah. writers, uh, arc.com. That's yeah. the website. We'll be linked to that website. And of course, uh, uh, Hank is also on Facebook and Twitter and all other uh, places that you can think of. Uh, I want to, um, as we continue here uh, talking with Hank here on Tell Me Your Story, I'm Richard Dugan, and I'd like to uh, jump into uh, the, the the basic steps that one needs to go through. I'm just going to let you uh, take that and, uh, and share with us uh, from uh, the beginning to the end. And you've mentioned certain elements already. Yeah. But let's, let's start from square one, from ground zero, so to speak.
1: Okay. Now, if you want to create a book, there is a number of steps or rather phases that it has to go through. Uh, there's actually five of them that I can I can identify. The first is you, you kind of plan the book. You got to come up with an idea. You got to figure out what you're going to write. You know, there's a Fiction, not novels and nonfiction books essentially have a different planning process. Um, fiction is you've got to collect all these ideas about stuff. And nonfiction generally tends to be about research, researching stuff and figuring out, you know, how you're going to organize all this information. But then you got to go to the writing. You know writing is, well, the author banging on the keyboard, staring out the window, or doing a lot of cursing at the screen. And eventually you get finished with it and you have to, then you face the problem of publishing. How do you get published? Okay, so you get in and get published and uh, you know that's one of the big decisions that you have to make is how are you gonna do it? You're gonna go for an agent and uh, there are also uh, a lot of publishing companies that don't require an agent, you can go to them directly. They're, you know, legitimate stuff. Uh, or you can self-publish in which case something that's confusing about self-publishing for other people, when you self-publish, you, the author, are the publisher. You get to do all the work the publishers would do mm-hmm. if you sold the book to a publisher. You get to do all of it. You have to get a cover. You have to get it edited. You have to format the book. You have to design the book. All of this stuff. It takes months to do all of these things. And <clears> then <throat> da. And people say, "Okay, it's, it's, now it's I got the book finished. It's published. Now I stop marketing." Wrong. You got to stop marketing before the book is launched. Actually, some of the stuff you do with uh, getting it published is marketing. You know, like you have to create a landing page for your book, and when you upload it to, it's <clears> to <throat> Kindle. You need a. You have to do a lot of the work for the landing page, and a landing page is essential because when you sell a book. You don't sell it on the internet, or rather, social media. You sell it at the landing page. The landing page is what convinces the reader to buy the book or to go someplace else.
0: What What is the equivalent of the landing page? Because it sounds like this is a web-based landing page. What's the equivalent prior to the internet? What was What was used in place thereof?
1: The old-fashioned way: you went to a bookstore and you looked at the cover okay now it's uh, a landing page is it, well think amazon just go to the amazon page and look at a book mm-hmm. that's the landing page that's mm-hmm. what sells books the landing page on amazon or bonds and noble websites or these other websites but uh, so you gotta start publishing it and, you know you got pre-launch marketing and you got post-launch marketing and they're Okay, so when you're marketing the book, you really have to think about it in terms of business because you own a business. You're the CEO of an author of a business. And you got to think about it, you know, because royalties are taxable income. Mm. It, I, it, a lot of authors don't realize that until they start to sell books. The other thing is in many states, if you go to, uh, uh, let's say, a book fair, you know, you hold a book fair someplace and you sell copies of your book, in many cases... You owe sales tax to the state government. As another nasty implication of selling, you know, the business implication, you got to consider this stuff. You have to really should decide whether you have a sole proprietorship company or a, a limited liability corporation, and and get the papers that these that says these things, so that the IRS believes you when you tell the IRS, "I'm really out of business, and I'm allowed to deduct this stuff." Mm-hmm. So it, you know, all of this stuff is interrelated, and it's part of the complexity of publishing a book or writing a book, creating a book.
0: Have you found some folks that, because uh, I'm sure you have uh, spoken about this in front of large groups of people as well as individuals, that when they find out just how complicated, because there is a certain level of complexity here, they decide. Nah, I'll just I'll just write it down, and I, I won't even bother to publish it because it's, it's not only is it too much work. I don't know anything about these uh, these aspects uh, of of marketing and 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 so forth. Uh, have you run into that as well? And uh, what do you tell of,
1: them? Yeah, I, I know a guy who's in a write group with me. He's written about 14, uh, 14 books. He's published. He self publishes them. He has no interest in marketing the books. All he does is he writes the books, he gets someone to make a cover, self-publishes it, goes on to the next one, couldn't care less if he sells any books. They just got this big bookshelf in his apartment, you know, where he's got all of these books. That's all he cares about. He doesn't hmm. care if he sells it, he doesn't care if anybody reads it. And that's, that's kind my of my, my, my way of thinking.
0: Well, uh, the only thing I can think of is that uh, he'll have an interesting legacy to leave behind uh, and someone is going to want to take a look at those and say, "Hey, these are really good." I don't know why he didn't publish them while he was alive. So we'll publish them now. <laughs> They're published. They, they, you can buy them. They're on Amazon. Yeah. But his
1: his landing page is the piece of crap. <laughs> Nobody's going to finish. Nobody's going to stay on that landing page more than five seconds.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So now you've you've published, you've written and uh, published what over thirty books, if I'm correct.
1: About that, yeah, yeah. Well, you after a while you don't bother with the count.
0: Yeah, uh, do you consider yourself um, uh, real prolific uh, in terms of like like when did you start writing uh, the first one and um, and then of course subsequently one right after the other. Well, it's not uh, all
1: short stories. Mm-hmm uh I, I sold and published about 45 short stories and i started doing that way back in the last century a long time ago so then i i gradually i my short stories have gradually started getting longer and longer and they morphed into novels but uh what was the question again
0: <laughs> uh in term first of all when did you start writing when when did that bug uh, bite you
1: when I was 50 years old, at the time, I was a sales manager for a large corporation in uh, midtown Manhattan. And uh, 50 years old, I had a couple beers, and I said, I need another career. So it was only a matter of time to, like, tap me on the shoulder and tell me, take a hike. We want your office for a young kid. So I said, well, I'm not going to do the same stuff. I'm going to do something different. And I always enjoyed writing. So I said, I'm going to write fiction. So commuting into new york on a bus i started writing the fact that i did nothing about writing fiction didn't slow me down at all but i just that's when i started that was in the last century so in about uh, about six or seven years after that a company offered a uh, a big retirement package in my case it was quite lucrative so i took the money and
0: ran never looked back mm. I I I I gather that when you made that decision, you felt uh, what felt free because you weren't encumbered. I mean, an author is their boss is their own boss, yeah. whereas before that, you know, you had to answer to somebody else.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a question of you have freedom.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You really, have freedom to do what you want when you want to do it. Um, I'm free to write whenever I want to write. You know, and I I generally write every morning. I, I love writing, so I, I write or, uh, or run a business. You know, I got a business, both a business, and I spend a couple of days, a couple of mornings a week on business issues, and the rest of them is on you know, the other rest of the week. The week is writing, hmm. mostly most of the morning.
0: Is is there any particular um? place where you get inspiration i know that on this program we talk about encouraging people to uh, spend some time during what i've dub- dubbed the decade of perfect vision the 2020s spending time going within you know spending time uh quietly maybe meditating mm-hmm. uh, or or do the uh, is that something that you do or do the ideas just come and then you start writing
1: well the ideas comment I uh, I um I spent some time. I just you know I guess it's being creative or maybe it's meditating, you know, and it may be different terms for it, but I just um it's kinda of like just, just connect my mind and let it just free run.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and it's no no restraints. No restra- Wherever it wants. Do what think about whatever it wants. <laughs> and eventually, you know, some of the stuff I go, Whoa, that's uh, back up here. I want write that one out down. And that's Generally, you know, it's just let your mind free wheel. Don't put any restraints on it. You know, just go anywhere and can think about anything. I, I love doing that.
0: Would you consider that to be uh, what some people have termed a uh, stream of consciousness writing?
1: No, no, it isn't. No. Just write down an idea. But get story ideas. But, you know, I don't. It's just just to get, a, get ideas. Mm-hmm. End of it, you know, once I get the idea, then I start developing the idea. But I don't think it's stream of consciousness. I've never written stream of consciousness stuff. I don't read it either.
0: When you were in school, you know, grade school, high school, and even college uh, at that time, did writing appeal to you?
1: Yeah, I was always good at it. That was one of my best classes was English writing. And in high school, my English teacher kind of urged me to go take journalism. I said, screw that. I want to be an engineer. (laughs) (laughs) So I went to engineering school. And uh, when you're in engineering school, you do not have time to write. Yeah. Time to solve problems, nothing else.
0: I, I know that um, uh, for me, uh, when I went to junior college following six months off of, after graduating from high school, I decided I was going to take, uh, you know, English 101 mm-hmm. just to, to fine tune things. And the first day they announced that uh, you will be writing five essays scared the daylights out of me. <laughs> but once I learned the formula, so to speak, those five essays, just they just came naturally. It was amazing.
1: Yeah. That's yeah, the same with writing stories. I mean, it comes quite naturally to me. You know, they didn't at first. But after you get the hang of it and you figure out you know what the process is you got you got to come up with a process on how to do it in an orderly fashion but um once you're it going it's fine you know i just yeah. process i just write scenes you know I'm completely out of order you put them in order later on figure out where they go
0: how how closely related and i because i don't know whether you've done this or not but how closely related do you think uh writing of a novel uh fiction uh, and say writing a screenplay for television or movies uh, might be, because it seems like you'd still have to have a lot of the elements that would be in your novel, even in the screenplay.
1: The only difference between the two is what the output looks like. You know, a novel is a book. The only mm-hmm. screenplay is it's formatted completely different, but they go through the same process. You need characters, mm-hmm. you need Emotions, you know, you need scenes, you, know, you need all of this stuff. It's the same thing, same process. Writing a novel and writing a screenplay is just that they just formatted differently. They have different mm-hmm. requirements, you know. With a screenplay, you, um, you know, you can't have a lot of internal monologue because that's no such thing. You know, that's can't do that. And it's, it's all the uh, screenplay is all dialogue, essentially. Yeah. You know, novel you got some expositions scattered around, but. Uh, the development process is pretty much the same.
0: Hank Quince is my guest. Creating your first novel is uh, the book that we're talking about, the subject matter of our conversation here today, here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And uh, I find this uh, fascinating, uh, Hank, because obviously, first of all, I'd like to finish this short little (laughs) self-help book I've been holding on to for uh, 22 years. Uh, but I've also taken the perspective, as has been shared with me as well, the book will come out when it's time. Uh, what is your thought in terms of, have you had uh, not just ideas, but you've have you had books that took longer than you thought maybe they should? Uh, I should have finished this by now. Or is yours also, you know, it'll come out when the universe says it's time for it to come out?
1: No, I never really had a problem. I just write, and when it's done, it's done, you know. But I I think I I do have run across some writers who have a problem that they don't want to release the book. They just keep editing and revising, and you know, after after a point, you reach a point where you're not improving the book, you're disimproving the book, you know. Mm. Uh, and, And people just it goes back to what we were talking about earlier: fear. You know, they they got over the fear of writing, and they wrote the book. Now they're really afraid to let it out into the wild. You know, they said, "Oh my God, is this going to survive in the wild? You know, is it going to die as soon as they get rid of it?" And they're really afraid to release the book. They mm. keep they keep constantly working on it and reworking it. You know, that's their excuse not to let it go because all it's not not mm. quite finished. I'm uh, not to imply that this is your case, but. You know, it's, I, I do know authors who have that problem, you know, or writers. They're not authors yet. They're writers. But yeah. They never finish the book because they have a fear of letting it go.
0: What about uh, the one group of people I made reference to them earlier? Uh, what about critics? Uh, do, do you care? Does it have any impact on you at all? Uh, what about critics? Oh, I love to get
1: good reviews. Well, sure. <laughs> uh, no, whether it's a five star review on Amazon or it's a one star review, the only thing is I say, thank you for reading the book. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone says one one star, I I don't argue with them. I say thank you for reading my book. If it's five stars, I say, thank you, thank you for reading my book. Yeah, don't not argue with the critics.
0: Yeah, because
1: I, I don't pay attention to them either because, you know, there's for every. One star I get, you know, I get four or five, five star ones. So one star kind of makes it that not everyone likes my books. I get that. Not everyone will like it. Not everyone will like what they write. So that's that's life.
0: So you're pretty pragmatic about uh, the work that you put out that, hey, you know, they're, like you just said, there's some that are going to like it, some that aren't. And uh, that's fine because yeah. that's what makes the world go round. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't write it for everybody. Actually, actually, I wrote it for myself. Right.
1: Read it and like it. Hey, go for it.
0: Do you? uh, Do you? uh, Are you connected with or attend uh, uh, like um, uh, different groups? You know, you mentioned earlier uh, uh, um, this one writing group that you referenced. Uh, Are you? Are you part of uh, these kinds of groups as well, or are you pretty much solo? In your uh, in your life,
1: um, well, kind of solo, but I also I do belong to
0: some write groups,
1: a couple of writing groups. I was on a Zoom meeting for over an hour this morning with one of those write groups. They have a meeting every weekend, every uh, every Tuesday. It used to be in person, which was a lot of fun, but now it's uh, Zoom since the COVID. Yeah, you know, and Zoom and uh, Zoom is not that not that interesting. The in person meetings were very. Or a lot of fun. I really enjoy them. The Zoom meetings are eh, not that much fun.
0: Well, I but myself
1: and I do I do, com, you know, com, uh, converse with people, you know, and trade emails and stuff, the people from these right groups.
0: Well, I'm grateful for Zoom or the programs similar that allow me to have an opportunity to speak with folks like yourself, Hank. Oh, uh, I right. prefer. But I'm know, sorry.
1: Go ahead stuff like this is great but you know but getting 10 or 12 people together it's uh it's it's not not as good as being in person nothing to it
0: well i prefer people in person in studio to uh, interview and and i loved it this was prior to uh 2020 uh but um uh i'm talking with people all over the world which is just incredible
1: you're not geographically uh limited anymore
0: yeah and it's kind of nice, because yeah. it's nice to get to know other people in other parts of the world. Yeah. Uh, often asking, uh, so so, um, what what kind of challenges uh, are you dealing with in your part of the world? That kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, are you? Do you consider yourself to be uh, <clears throat> uh, an optimist? And is that is that reflected in your work?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, my books, uh, my novels, all have happy endings. You know, someone wins. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's yeah, I, I think optimistic is good. You know, I'm an optimistic writer. I write humor too. So that's, uh, that makes kind of happy. You write humor. Yeah. Humor and satire. All my novels are humorous and or satiric.
0: Oh, very cool. I love that. I, I, as a kid growing up, I loved the satire of Mad Magazine in particular. Little different kind of writing, but nonetheless, yeah. uh, and and uh, others who uh, love to poke fun through satire at different circumstances that we face in our lives yes. that shows kind of how silly we are as yeah. human
1: beings. Yes, gotta have people poking sticks at all these serious people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Is there a particular genre that you like? I mean again, I know it's non I know it's fiction, you know, and so forth, but is there a particular uh, area?
1: Yeah, fantasy and sci-fi.
0: So I'm sure you've read uh, possibly have read Stranger in a Strange Land and Dune. I,
1: I, I did read it. Heinlein I I loved Heinlein. He's a very good writer, but I don't particularly remember the book, but I know I've read a lot of Heinlein. And about a year or two ago, maybe about a year and a half ago, my niece gave me a copy of Dune. No, about this thick, all five I, novels or something. You know, I, I, I read them all before a long time ago. But yeah. I, just, I just read that one in a month. All five novels.
0: Yeah, I but, I, I I remember um, a paperback, and yeah. and 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 as a kid growing up, being legally blind, I had to use a magnifying glass. And I'm holding this rather thick, probably inch and a half to two inch thick paperback. Uh, the book was entitled The Prometheus Project. It was also by Frank Herbert. And I was up until two and three in the morning sometimes. It was so intriguing to me. Um, do you do you find, are, are there books that, that you pick up in your regular reading, not so much the writing, reading, that, they just grab you, and you just say, "I, I don't care if I'm, you know, uh, I'm supposed to go to sleep, or I got to eat. I, no, I got to finish this." Yeah, it uh, it happens. Yes, yeah,
1: uh, it usually happens with uh, books by uh, Bernard Cornwell. He's an English author. He writes the uh, uh, mostly about uh, warriors, you know, and combat. It's historical fiction. He, I get a new book from him. Uh, I just. I, I, I don't care. I stopped doing everything and just read the book. Yeah. So then I go, damn, now what am I going to do? I finished the book.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now you have to wait for him to write another one.
1: No, oh, no. It's going to be another year before he writes another book.
0: Yeah. I, it's just extraordinary. Uh, I, I Until I finished Stranger in a Strange Land, um, I really felt like, boy, I am so deficient in, in the classics yeah. And, and there are still a lot of books I have not read that most people have read, mm-hmm. um, but I've read other books more uh, along the lines of what we talk about on this program. Uh, but at the same time, there are so many books out there. It's like when I'm going to have to come back in another lifetime oh. and just read the writings and get and glean from their concepts, their ideas, their imagination,
1: yeah, you can never finish reading. You never get catch up. Yeah, you read a book and another ten are published.
0: And I'm curious as to because uh, th- this happens in the music industry, and I find this perplexing, in my opinion, that people will sue one another because they used a riff from their song. Yeah, and it's like, well, wait a minute. You'd think that would be the height of flattery. They're not, they didn't steal it. They were influenced by you. And then when you hear the interviews by these different artists, oh yeah, my influences were thus and such and thus and so, and so on and so on and so on. And that's why, uh, you know, I like doing this kind of music and so forth. Is that, do you, uh, and again, I'm not talking about here plagiarism by any means, but uh, what about that kind of influence after you've read one of these books that, that, you know, you read and say, like, Oh, I now got to wait another year before I get another one. Do the, do, does that ever influence you in terms of, uh, uh sparking an idea in your own mind and an imagination?
1: Uh, there's two books. I know that I read that influenced my writing, I uh, kind of tailored my writing to them. One is the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. Uh, it's kind of like the first really crazy sci-fi book, you know, before mm-hmm. that, sci-fi was always very serious stuff. Yeah. Douglas, Matt Douglas just, you know, just blew the lid off that, you know, and made it into a comedy. And, and the other book that I really loved is uh, Catch-22. It's, it's probably the best book on satire I've ever read. And it's, uh, you know, those two have very strongly influenced my writing. I mm. kind of feel my writing towards the way they viewed the world and the writing.
0: Can you share with us your your uh, personal—shall uh, we say—life's philosophy. Uh, what? Uh, what words do you live by? What concepts, ideas, etc., do you live by? Ah. Uh, okay. Well,
1: I think the greatest thing you can do in your life is to find someone wonderful and grow old together. My wife and I did that, but uh, I lost the last Christmas. Mm. But, uh, 57 years i think that's i think that is the most important thing you can do in your world in your life grow Mm. old someone wonderful
0: well i know that my mother and father uh, did that my father passed away just this past march uh and almost made it to 62 was that right 62 years of marriage uh he almost made it to 92 as well Mm -hmm. um and um it's just amazing how my mother, uh, despite her missing him terribly, she's still the same strong woman. And uh, they had a, a, a level of commitment best epitomized by what she said to me. I had the privilege of interviewing them in 2015. And she said, I have his back and I know he has mine. Yep. And I thought, Wow that's that's what i call commitment and connectedness if you will you know
1: yeah yeah it's a great thing it really is anything better in life
0: well i'm i'm working to foster all of that within my relationship with my present wife and Mm -hmm. um you know and and still have a great time doing the things that I'm doing like talking with you Hank Quince author of uh, creating your first novel as we continue here on tell me your story. I'm Richard Dugan and we're talking with uh, Hank Quince and I want to uh, first of all thank you so much for the time that you have given us here on the program. It's been very insightful. I I um, I need to literally sit down, pull the file and uh um, start going through it and get it finished so that I can either pass it on to an editor or go through it again. Uh, you know, with, with, I don't know, fresh eyes or something. Uh, maybe I'll send it to my sister again and see what what she has to say. Um, I want to thank you so much for giving us the time here on the program. I really appreciate the insights that you have given and, uh, I'm going to get started, uh, Trying to no, not trying to. I'm going to finish the book. I don't know that I'll finish it before the end of 2023, but 2024 feels. I don't yeah. know. It feels right. Yeah,
1: hey, it's been great being here, Rich. I really liked enjoyed talking to you.
0: Well, thank you. I do have three final questions for you that I ask all of my guests at the end of the program. But before I do, I want to thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, where we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. and 9 a.m. on Wednesdays. And during the month of December, we are here from 8 to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. That's right. We've got an extra five programs that we'll be bringing your way every week during the month of December. Uh, And uh, also we are um, podcasting on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music. And we're also on YouTube where you can watch these conversations. I hope you will subscribe and at least click notification so that the next time I post a conversation you will be notified and you'll be able to uh, listen in on said conversation also ask that if you can support the work that we are doing with this program financially we have a paypal account it is there for your security as well as ours just use the email address richard at RichardDugan.com when they ask to whom are you sending this richard at RichardDugan.com. and finally we ask that you uh, take time during this, the decade of perfect vision to go within and listen to that still small voice for inspiration and encouragement and guidance, a little education, or just, just some quiet time. And with all of that being said, uh, again, uh, my thanks to my guest. Uh, first question that I have for you of those three is who is Hank Quince? Who is Hank Quince? <laughs> I'm just uh
1: just an old guy who likes to write.
0: <laughs> what is your life's purpose?
1: To enjoy my grandkids and to try and teach them and take them places that they'll never forget and places they probably wouldn't go on their own mm. until many years from now. Uh, last August, I took them all to Barcelona. Oh, wow. Before well, I
0: took them all to Dublin. And finally, what was your best day? My best day—I
1: think it was the day I got married. Mm. Actually, it was one year, 1966. I got married in January, and I graduated from uh, college in uh, May. That was the really good
0: year. Mm. Well, once again, Hank, thank you so much for your time and sharing your story with us here. And I hope that folks will take your advice, get a copy of your book, will be linked to your website. And um, we uh, look forward to maybe having a chance to talk to you again when your next book comes out. I'd love to be back. This is fun. I really enjoy this. Wonderful. Well, thank you again. And I thank you for listening to and watching. Tell me your story, New Paradigms for a New World. Once again, giving you choices. And knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast. Love to long. Jeanette, I am still listening. Okay. Dad, continue to be happy because I am. Smokey, I will see you on the other side. And to my dear friend, Zorro, aho, aho.